Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, it's on, which is absolutely great. Thank you very much. Um, I would like to start with prayer. I feel a little nervous, um, so I would like to start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would please help me to be as clear as possible uh, this morning. And I pray that you would have a blessing for every single person here today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have chosen Psalm 100, which is a psalm of thanksgiving. But I would like to say that a few months ago, we did a study on the book of Lamentations. And I would simply like to say that there is a place in the Christian life to lament and to be sad. And if that is you this morning, I would simply like to say thank you very much for coming. It is okay. It is okay to weep and to be sad and to lament. But uh, this morning we are looking at a psalm of thanksgiving. And I have studied it in the ESV, so my words are actually very slightly uh, differently. But uh, it says... um, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Now, I wish I was a lark, but unfortunately, I am a crow. And it would be marvelous having somebody up here like Margaret, who's got such a beautiful voice. But if you're a crow, you are a crow. (laughs) And he says, come into his presence with singing. Know the Lord, for he is God. And it says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving, and I will enter his courts with praise. Why? Because the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness for all generations. Now, for a period of my life, my early Christian life, I spent time in a small church called the Community of Praise, and I learned a tremendous amount there, especially about the importance of praise and worship and thanksgiving and seeking to come into his presence through praise and thanksgiving. And while I was there, I met and listened to an American Pentecostal preacher called Judson Cornwall. And this man brought the whole of the Old Testament to life for me. And he was a fantastic preacher. And I realized that from the Old Testament, you can preach life. And he also wrote a book, he wrote a number of books, but he wrote a book called Let Us Draw Near. And it's obviously from the book of Hebrews, which says, Let Us Draw Near. And it was about drawing near to the presence of God. And a lot of what I'm going to say this morning is based upon what I learned from that man. And I would like to take us back in time to when the Israelites 
have been set free from slavery in Egypt. And you can find what I'm going to say mainly in Exodus chapters 25 to 30, and then I think uh, something like 36 to 38. Uh, It's too long for me to read. Uh, You can check it out afterwards. But it's Exodus 25 to 30, and then something like 36 to 38. Um, So there we are. We've been slaves making bricks. And we have been set free. We've gone through the Red Sea. What an amazing experience. And boy, did we sing when we got to the other side. And Miriam led us with a tambourine singing and dancing. And we were just so overwhelmed with joy. And then we go trekking through the desert and we come to Mount Sinai. Oh my goodness, you know, when God came down, it was so frightening. There's this dark cloud, there was thunder, there was lightning, there was fire, the trumpets were blowing. We were terrified. And then God gave us these commandments and Moses, our leader, proclaimed these commandments and we said we would obey his commandments. But you know what? We didn't. We didn't. We failed. But you know what God did? God gave us a tabernacle. And he gave us a way into his presence. Even though we had failed. And even though we had disobeyed. And right in the midst of our camp was this tabernacle. And if you went towards it, the first thing was this curtain. And the curtain was about seven feet tall. And it was held up with poles. And you couldn't just go into the tabernacle because of this curtain. You couldn't just walk casually into the presence of God. You had to go through the door. There was a flap in the tent. And you could walk through this door. And the first thing you came to was a brazen altar. An altar of sacrifice. And if you wanted to approach God... You had to take a lamb or a goat. And you had to offer that lamb or that goat as a substitute for your life. And that lamb or that goat gave his life for your wrongdoing. Oh my goodness, did it bring it home to us? The cost of our sin. It cost a life. And of course we know that Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God. And he died on the cross for each and every one of us. And if we want to approach God, it starts at the cross. When we kneel before Jesus 
And we thank him for dying on the cross for us. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. If we want a journey into the presence of God, it starts at the cross. And there are many, many different offerings on this brazen altar, but there was one special one called the burnt offering. And you made this sacrifice and it was totally burned up, completely burnt, as a sign of our total dedication. We gave everything back to God. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. And there at the cross, we offer Jesus everything. All my money I give to you. All my work I give to you. My home I give to you. My talents, my abilities, I give to you. My time, I give to you. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. And you know, that's as far as most people went. And most people at that stage would just turn back and go back to their everyday lives. Because it was only the priest who could go any further into the presence of God. But hallelujah. In the book of Peter, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging to God to declare the praises of God who took us out of darkness and brought us into his glorious light. So we can now move forward towards the presence of God. And you know what we would come to next? We would come to something called a laver. And this was a big oval basin. And in the bottom of the basin were mirrors. And there was also water. So there were mirrors and water. 
And the priest would look into this basin and obviously he would see a reflection. And it's in the book of James where it says the word of God is like a mirror. And as we look into the word of God, we will learn things. We will see things about ourselves. And sometimes we will realize we have been wrong. And we will need to go back to the cross and apologize again and say, I am sorry, Lord, for the wrong things that I have done. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just a small point. What is the difference between conviction of sin and condemnation? Not everything that comes into your mind has been sent from God. What is the difference? Because in the Bible it says there, are no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is when you say, I am useless. I'm no good. I'm not worthy to be called a Christian. I might as well give up. That is condemnation. Conviction is when you know you have done something wrong and you go and you kneel at the cross and you say, I'm sorry, Lord. And he forgives you. Condemnation takes you away. Conviction takes you back to the cross. So we have looked into the water. We have looked into the mirrors. It reveals things about us. And it reveals things about God. And praise and worship is about pleasing God. It's not about whether I enjoy it. Whether the songs please me. Whether the style I like or not. It's about does it please God. And as I look into the word of God, I learn what pleases God. And the other thing is, you get water. And what does water do? Water refreshes. You look and you refresh yourself. Maybe you wash your feet. I don't know. Wash your hands, wash your face. But water refreshes you. And, you know, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, when it talks about husbands... Husbands, listen hard. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It goes on to say, he sanctifies them. That's us. He sanctifies them by the washing of the water by the word. The washing of the water by the word. So the word of God washes us, cleanses us, cleanses our minds, directs our thoughts, guides us, leads us. If we want to progress in our drawing near to God, we need to be saturating ourselves with the Word of God because it will tell us what pleases God. It will tell us how to live our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. So we washed ourselves in the word of God. And now we are moving. And what do we see before us? We actually see the tent. And it don't look much from the outside because it's covered with bear skins. Not bear skins, badger skins. And you go in through the door and you find that there are two compartments. The holy place and the most holy place. And there are certain uh, articles in the holy place. And the first article that you will see is this lampstand, this beautiful lampstand. It's not a usual lampstand because there are three branches out one side, three branches out the other side, and one on top. And there are candles. They are like almonds on each of these branches. And those almonds cups are filled with oil. And there is a wick in them, and they're all burning brightly. And every morning and every night, if you were in charge that day, you would go in and you would check the oil. You'd make sure that there is oil in the cups and that the wick is burning brightly because you want these burning as brightly as possible. I need as much of God's Holy Spirit. I need that oil. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit was to be my advocate. He was going to be my counselor. He was going to be my uh, helper. He is going to be my strength. How much I really need that oil. Oh, my mind is blanked. There's a song. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Keep me burning till the start of day. (laughs) I'm sorry, I am a bit of a crow, but never mind. Hallelujah, we'll go on. There we are. I need as much of God's Spirit as he will give me. And I don't really know how to drink of God's Spirit. I am learning all the time, trying to, trying to learn to be filled with God's Spirit. And you may not agree with this bit. But nearly every morning I cycle and I cycle across the common and I thank God for the beauty of his creation. And I particularly thank him for Jesus and all that Jesus has done. And through him I can have forgiveness. I can have peace with God. I can have access into his presence. I can receive eternal life. And I can receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. And then I normally say, Father, I need as much of your Holy Spirit as you're prepared to give me. Spirit of the living God, please will you fill my heart with your love 
that I may love the Father, I may love the Son, and I may love people. Fill my mind that I will think about God, I will think about Jesus, and you will help me with my thoughts. Fill my eyes that I would see all that you want me to see. I would see the people you want me to help. Fill my ears that I would hear the voice of God speaking, that I would hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, and I would hear the cries of humanity. Fill my mouth that I may praise the Father and I may praise the Son, and I may be more bold in talking about Jesus. Fill my hands that I will work for Jesus. Fill my legs that I will walk in holiness. And Spirit of the living God, please, will you help me bear your fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Breathe on me, breath of God. Fill me with life anew, that I might love what thou dost love, and do what thou wouldst do. And then moving on from the lamp, the next thing you come to is this table. And this table is laid out with 12 loaves of bread. And those loaves of bread have sat in the presence of God all week. And at the end of the week, those loaves are replaced and the priest eats them and new loaves are put into the presence of God. And as they feed on that bread, so they are strengthened, they are excited, they are fulfilled. And we all know that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who feeds on me will never go thirsty. And my challenge is this, really. How much do we really feed on the life of Jesus? How much do we really feed on his teaching? Or do we just nibble at the edges? Do we really, really feed on Jesus? If I asked you, how many can tell me the Beatitudes? How many of you could quote the Beatitudes in Matthew? Blessed, because I've looked it up. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What about the Sermon on the Mount? How many can tell me some of the teaching in the Sermon of the Mount. What about the parables? How many of the parables could you tell me? Are we really, really feeding on Jesus? Bread of heaven, 
bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Feed me till I want no more. Jesus shall take the highest honor. Jesus shall take the highest praise. Let all earth join heaven in exalting the name which is above all other names. Let's bow the knee in humble adoration, for at his name every knee must bow, and so on. I'm not a very good singer, I do apologize. Margaret White ought to be here. However, we now go to this tiny little golden altar, and it's called the Altar of Incense. And this incense is specially crushed by four different ingredients in special, uh, it's specially uh, I don't know what you call it, perfumed, okay, whatever you call it. And, 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 and in the morning and in the evening, you put some of this special incense onto this little golden altar. And this goes up towards the presence of God. And at the moment, there is a veil, this veil, and it's got uh, cherubim embroidered on this veil but this incense goes up and through the veil towards the very presence of God now we know that Jesus has now torn that veil so actually we can now come into the presence of God and at that little altar we are poured out our love our adoration, our devotion to Almighty God. And the New Testament says we can now approach the throne of God boldly, not arrogantly, not with pride, but we can now come with confidence to the presence of God. And there you would, if you're going back into the Old Testament, you would see the Ark of the Covenant and you would see the mercy seat. And there is like a box. And in the box are the Ten Commandments, an expression of the righteousness and the holiness of God. Yes, we can approach God, but we need to do so with respect because he is holy. He is awesome. But over the top of the box is the mercy seat. And over the mercy seat are two cherubims. One is like that. And the other is like that. And in the midst is the very presence of God. Now, how can the Almighty God just be present there? But that is the teaching. That there is the presence of God. So just to recap, very briefly, we have started at the cross. That is where our journey starts. We thank Jesus for dying on the cross to forgive us. We kneel 
and we devote our lives to serve him with gladness. And we go forward and we soak ourselves into the word of God. It refreshes us. It invigorates us. It reveals things to us. And then we move into that tent and we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How I need God's Spirit. If I'm going to worship God in spirit and in truth, I need as much of His Spirit. I don't have all the answers. I'm still trying to learn how do I drink more of God's Spirit. And then I come to the table of the bread and I feed on Jesus. And I appreciate Jesus and I sing to Jesus and I thank Jesus and I adore Jesus. I am so grateful for all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done. And then finally, I come to that little altar and it's now me and God. And I pour out my love. I pour out my appreciation. I pour out my adoration. I pour out my devotion. Sometimes I make up songs. Sometimes I sing other songs. And as you've already learned, I'm not a very good singer. The angels cry holy. The angels cry holy, the angels cry holy is the Lord. But I say I love you, but I say I love you, but I say I love you, oh my Lord. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds, and nothing I desire compares with thee. I adore thee, I adore thee, I adore thee, O Lord. I adore thee, I adore thee, I adore thee. Oh, Lord. And going back to Psalm 100, which is where I should have been. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know God. Come into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Why? Why? 
Because God is good. And his steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness for all generations. Cheers.